Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be talking to you about barriers to leadership, barriers to leadership. But before I do, I want to mention two dates. There's a date that we have in August for Miami and then in September for Boston. These are strategic church growth conferences. So if you're starting a church, you need to be there. If you've been at a church a while and you're wanting to reinvent, you need to be there. If you've taken over a church, you need to be there. See, at the strategic church growth, we open up the engine to the church. We're going to deal with the seasons of the church, why churches get stuck at various places in their seasons, and how to get out. How do you take an existing organization and reinvent it? What are the five most important questions that you ask when you start a church? So these are Miami and Boston. You can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com and you can sign up there. Before I jump into the podcast, I want to take a moment. I'm sometimes asked by pastors this question, what is it that excites you the most at your church? What is it that really has your heart bubbling? Well, I want to take a moment. I want to talk to you because for me right now, it is the school of leadership, the school of leadership. 18 months ago, we started the school of leadership and really I walked into the room and I challenged the people. It was a direct challenge. I did not hold back in any way. But see, I had already attempted three times over 40 years to start this, and it failed. This was our fourth attempt. And so I was really into, if we're going to do it, let's make it work. But the school of leadership has become just a dynamic room where people are learning leadership. See, when I go across the country, it doesn't matter whether someone runs 10 people or 10,000. Here's what every pastor will say. If I had more leaders, I could do more. Well, the problem is the church hasn't learned to create leaders, but the school of leadership is creating leaders. So I went to a couple of people that consider me their pastors. One of them's in the Seattle area, one of them's in the San Antonio area, and they're going to be the first satellite schools of the School of Leadership. They're going to take what we did here at Grace, they're going to take the video, the curriculum, everything that we've written, and they're going to duplicate it in their churches. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to raise up leaders. Now, someone says, well, why are you saying this? Because in January, we'll be taking another group of churches and we'll be adding satellites there where they take the videos that we've developed on leadership and they take the content that we've developed and they are going to begin to create leaders. See, the first thing that you have to do in leadership is redefine it. Everyone walks into the room thinking they know what leadership is, but they don't because the only leadership they've ever seen has been worldly leadership. They haven't seen high-functioning, godly leadership. And so you have to redefine it. And then once you redefine it, you can create it. That's what the School of Leadership does. And if you're in the United States and you're interested in being a satellite, 
Now, there's two ways you can process this, but what I'd encourage you is you need to reach out to Cody on my staff, and you need to email him because we do calls where we just let people know what's going on here. But I'm excited about the School of Leadership. Let me transition. Barriers to leadership. Barriers to leadership. What is it that prevents people from being leaders? What is it that stops people for leading and leading effectively? What are the obstacles that get in the way of most people's leadership? Well, here's what I want to do. I want to give you seven barriers, seven barriers that get in the way of leadership, seven things that people run into and, and somehow it diverts them and it stops them from being a leader or effective in a leader. And if they're not addressed, they become the leadership lit. And nobody wants a leadership lit. So it's a very simple outline, but the outline is filled with truth. Each one of these, it's true that they're a barrier. The number of people that are caught off guard by it are massive. The number of people who could lead if they would identify these barriers and, and just manage them. If we could do that, we would release leadership in a very profound way. That being said, let me give you the first one, finances. See, financial abuse will kill leadership. Financial abuse will kill leadership. You know, it's interesting that decades ago, the, the world didn't even think of ethics as being a part of leadership. In fact, there was a very famous school that after the Enron scandal, where people lost literally millions and millions and millions of dollars, a wealthy graduate came to the school of leadership and their MBA program and just basically said, I will give you this amount of money, which was a large amount, if you will do a class on ethics. The president went to the staff of the MBA program and all the professors said, what do ethics have to do with business? That just tells you how the world thinks. And the president said, I don't know, but you're going to write a class on it because we're not turning this money down. One of the things that becomes a barrier is that when finances begin to be the motivating force to the reason that someone leads. Because if finances motivate your leadership, then abuse becomes easy. And people sometimes ask me the question, how do I know whether I have finances or finances have me? How do I know if I'm in danger of cutting corners when it comes to managing money that I'm a fiduciary over. How do I know that? And, and the test is very simple. Can you give it away? See, if you can't give away money, you don't have money. Money has you. And that's true in the secular, but it's true in the spiritual. We know that to be true. Jesus taught on it profoundly. And as a result of that, unless you can give it away, it has you. And I tell leaders all the time, 
there are people who fall in love with the stage, the platform. Can you give it away? Can you let someone stand on that stage and succeed instead of you? See, giving is the difference between whether we're managing something or something has a hold on us. I want to take you back. It'd be a number of years. And I'm literally in a room with probably 12 to 15 people. We're at a restaurant and we have this older, very mature leader who has been just fielding questions from all of us. Now, this individual is old school. He's a little bit gruff. He has a flight to catch, so he gets up and he starts heading towards one door. I'm going to be taking him. I head towards the other door. I'm getting the car to pull it around. As he heads towards one door, I'm heading towards, we're literally on opposite ends of a full restaurant of people that I don't know. He stops at the door and turns around in a loud voice. He says, young man. And I'm thinking, who in the world is he talking to? And then he points at me. He says, young man, I need to tell you something. And literally, you know, I'm startled because this isn't a church room. This isn't a boardroom. This is a restaurant with a lot of people who have no clue. At that time, our ministry was probably running about three to 400 people. And he looked at me and he said, if you're running three to 400 people, that means that you have talent. It remains to be seen whether you have an anointing. Well, I thought, man, that's great disclosure. I'm trying to get these people to come and I'm really hoping I'm anointed. But then he says, but there's something I need to tell you. Because you have talent, money's going to come across your hands. You need to decide today how you're going to handle it. Everybody in the room has stopped and they're hearing this conversation. Everyone's staring at me. It's the most awkward moment. But do you know what? It was a defining moment. Because as I walked to the car, I decided that I would never cut corners with finances. I would live in such a way that people would look and, and say, hey, he may not have done a lot right. But when it came to finances, he always managed them. And the one thing that I could probably say is that everyone that I've ever had on my board will say, that Gerald has been indifferent to finances. As I tell people in 46 years, I've never been in the room when my salary is discussed. See, what I've learned is this, finances can get you. And if you can't give them away, finances will ruin your leadership. Another thought, power. See, Power is one of those things that people feel when they become effective in leadership. But the thing about power is power has a grip to it. It wants to grab you. It wants to hold you. But here's the thing about power. Don't fall in love with it. Don't fall in love with it. See, the power that you gain when you lead is the power that you will feel if you abuse. 
See, the power that we have is different than what the world says. Again, we have to redefine leadership. Power is to serve others, not to uplift yourself. Take that axiom. Power is to serve others, not to uplift yourself. Godly power lifts up others. It never puts others down. I love reading and I love reading history. There's a story about Abraham Lincoln because he was very articulate and he was very witty. But one time when he was young, someone sort of challenged him in public. And he was in the middle of a place with a lot of people. And Lincoln launched on him. He just began to go line after line, sarcastic remark after remark. And he tore this man apart. As he ended, he realized what he had done. He had taken a man who just challenged him on a thought. And he had literally tore this guy apart in public. Lincoln walked out of that room and he pledged, I will never again use my skill to afflict damage on another person. Don't fall in love with your power. And if your power is just lifting you up, you need to correct. Power is to serve others, not to elevate you. The next one is pride. This gets talked about a whole lot because we know that pride is so devastating. It's what got King Saul when you were small in your own eyes. But let me define what pride is. Pride isn't when you fall in love with you instead of God. I want you to get that definition. Pride is when you fall more in love with you than you are in love with God. See, the only way you can be prideful is if you're bigger and God is smaller. See, pride distorts it makes you bigger than you should be, and it makes God smaller than he should be. That's what pride does. It just is a distortion. As I've said for years, the term ego, it is an acronym that stands for edging God out. So when someone's prideful, they're falling in love with themselves and they're falling out of love with God. When someone is prideful, what happens is, is that their love for them is growing and their love for God is lessening. So barriers to leadership, finances when you abuse them, power when you fall in love with it, pride when you fall in love with you rather than fall in love with God. Number four, Boundaries. See, everyone has boundaries to their leadership. If you don't have boundaries, you're not a leader, you're a dictator. But see, when God called Joshua to lead after Moses, he said, I want you to lead Israel from this river to this river, from this place to this place. And every 
place that your foot steps upon will be yours. Now, a lot of people really love that every place that your foot steps upon. But before he gave him the promise, he gave him the boundaries. You'll lead from this river to this river, from this place to this place. Until you know your boundaries, you really can't be an effective leader. Because the man that Jesus commended in the New Testament, what did he say? I'm a man with authority, and I'm a man under authority. My authority has boundaries. One of the things that I know is that boundaries you need to stay away from. See, you play away from the hazards. I've mentioned many times when I speak that I'm a bad golfer. I don't have time to become a good golfer. But I don't look at water and, and try to hit over it if it's massive. I play away from it. Now, there are good golfers that just look at water and they play over it. But that's not me. I look at where the tree line is and I play away from it. See, if you're going to be a person who is effective, you know your boundaries and you don't live close to them. Play away from the hazards. As Joseph in the Old Testament know, sometimes you've just got to know when to run. When Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him, he ran. Now, sometimes it runs you into more trouble, but that's all right. When you run from things that are outside your boundaries, eventually God can bless you. But if you run over things where there are boundaries, you get outside where God can bless you. The next principle is family. What I know in leadership and ministry is there has to be home-filled advantage. Now, I'm a sports guy. I love sports. But here's what I can tell you about sports. If the Texas Rangers are going to make it in the playoff, here's the expectation. When they play at Globe Life Field, they are to win 70% of the time. Why? It's their home. Everyone's cheering for them. Everyone wants them to do better. Everybody is on their side. Well, that's home-filled advantage. When they play on the road, they're trying to win 50% of the time. And 50% of the time means that over a season, you'll play 600 baseball. But here's what I know about leadership. Leadership is hard. If you're really pouring yourself into people and you're trying to advance a purpose, it takes a lot of energy. And there are going to be problems, and there are going to be fights, and there are going to be frustrations. But here's the thing. You have to have home-filled advantage. You can't spend all day fighting at work and then come and fight at home. Here's what I know. You've got to win where it counts. And home is where it counts. I have to win with my beautiful bride, Jenny the prettiest girl in the whole world that I've had the opportunity to be married to for 46 years. And what I can tell you about that is when I come home and that being good, my life 
is manageable then. But if I come home and that's bad, man, that is a barrier to me leading. So barriers, finances, power, pride, boundaries, family. The next one is plateauing. Plateauing. Now, here's the thing. Plateauing is when you're no longer gaining altitude. When you're beginning to have the curve turn, where everything was upward, now it's beginning to flatten out. And once it flattens out, it will begin to turn downwards. And, and plateauing is something that every leader has to watch out for. Because sustainable growth is hard. I tell people that one of the things about growth that's hard is not growing at the beginning. And it's not having growth at the start, but it's sustaining growth over an entire journey. See, starting a church was one thing. Growing a church was another thing. But sustaining a church with growth is a totally different thing. In fact, that's some of the thing I'll be talking about in Boston and Miami. But plateauing basically means that your best is behind you. But for a leader, that can't be. For a leader, what you have to know is you have to learn like you live forever. See, I've got to learn like I'm going to live forever, that I need to know more stuff and I need to know better stuff and, and that I am passionate as a student to keep learning because learning is the key to overcoming plateauing. Because if I'm always learning, my heart is fresh, my head is fresh, my opportunities are fresh, I don't get comfortable. Learning is the key to getting you out of your comfort zone. So plateauing. What I know is, is that when you start plateauing, it is hard to regain a growth trend. And then the last one is emotional agility. Emotional agility. You know what agility is. We see someone on a basketball court that can literally, as they say, break someone's ankle, that they dribble so fast, so well, that they can make someone think they're going one way and they're going another way. Same thing on a football field. You know, a running back comes out and they look like they're about to tackle him and then he makes his adjustment move and the person's just sitting there tackling air. They call that agility, being quick on your feet. Well, one of the things you have to learn is emotionally, you have to have agility. You have to be able to react to moments. And you have to be able to take negative moments. And you have to emotionally have the agility to manage them. I did a book years ago, Understanding Your Pain Threshold. What I know about the pain threshold is this. Is that when you manage your pain threshold, you create upside. You've got to be able to take your pain threshold. And you've got to be able to manage it. So can you handle the hurts of leadership? Can you handle the disappointments of leadership? Can you handle the moments of leadership when things go bad? 
because there's going to be discouragement, there's going to be pain, and there's going to be hurt, and you have to have the agility to be able to emotionally manage those. And again, if maybe that's your barrier, I would encourage you to get the book that I wrote on understanding your pain threshold. Here's what I want to say to you. There are seven barriers. Finances, power, pride, boundaries, family, plateauing, and emotional agility. These are the most common ways that leadership gets stopped. Maybe it would be good for you to sit down. And when you sit down to maybe look there and say, okay, how am I doing? But here's the thing. You probably need to sit down with your team and go over these also. Because some of them may be victim to some of these barriers. Thank you so much for joining me. I want to remind you about the Miami and Boston strategic church growth. You can go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. If in January you'd like to find out more about kicking off the School of Leadership, you need to reach out to Cody and email him. Uh, and you can go to our church webpage and it'll give his email address. But if that's an interest to you. That being said, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to geraldbrooksministries.com. 